Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. It's Dan Avon along with you out here on the West Coast representing San Francisco and join like always out on the East Coast, the pride of Manhattan. It is the NFL and it is the sports agent. Say hello to Matt Marino. Matt, what do you say? I say it's going good, Dan. Uh, heading into the Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, we can talk about that. And really quick <laughs> off the top, I know you're going Kansas City. Is that right? Ah, come on, man. I'm going Kansas City to win. And then, you know, on the betting line, my lines, I might be going Tampa Bay a little bit. A little, a little coin, a little change on them. <laughs> yeah, and as you and I have talked off air, just when Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and that team isn't – when they're not bored and that dude's on target and feels like playing – doesn't have a turf toe and not dealing with a concussion. I just, I mean, who's going to stop him? The 86 Bears, maybe, but that Tampa Bay defense is good, but it's not the 2000 Baltimore Ravens with Sarah Goose, Ray Reed, and and Lewis and company, but uh, not Ray Reed. Who's in the back? Who's in that back? Ed Reed, Ed Reed. That's right. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Yeah. That's right. I just put the two together. Uh, So let's talk about something more a little more relevant as it, as it relates to sports and sports business news. And that, of course, is the what is estimated at $2 billion is the number that's being thrown around in terms of the losses that the NFL is going to endure and suffer from this COVID 2020 season, which means that the salary cap will come down. And I'll let you take it from there. What is lowering the salary cap have to have to do with people in your world, agents that are dealing with today's football players? Uh, it's got to do a lot with them, uh, with us and the players, actually, and the NFL Players Association as well. Um, so when you're thinking about it, you know, um, what's expected? Um, you know, usually in December of each year, the NFL gives, uh, you know, all the teams, um, you know, puts it out there into the public what the expected salary cap is going to be. And that hasn't happened yet this year. So it's about, you know, two months behind. Probably hasn't happened because of the pandemic, uh, most likely. Um, you know, the revenue is, has dramatically, you know, decreased uh, because of, you know, in-person attendance, merchandise, parking, all those things that go, you know, to a game day uh, at a stadium. Um, so, so really, um, you know, the, the cap this year, we're looking at, you know, 180 million per team. Um, now, you know, from what we've been told uh, as agents, um, it won't go below 175. I think that's um, more of what the owners want out there. Um, you know, ideally, you know, the owners would like to basically take all the losses um, as quickly as possible and move on past them. Um, they want to get their new TV contracts done. And everyone knows why, because there's a massive, massive contracts. And, and that will obviously bring the salary cap up in years to come. But, um, you know, what happens is, is that, you know, when you're cutting, you know, let's just call it, you know, 20 to 25 million uh, per team. Uh, in comparison to 2020, um, that's a substantial amount of money for your roster. Um, you know, the NFL is already, you know, what I would call a cheap labor league, um, you know, where you're going to try to get the most out of players, you know, for a cheap rate. And, you know, you're talking about veterans on rookie, you know, I'm sorry, veterans on a, a minimum salary contracts um, at the back ends of their careers. Um, and then rookies that are, you know, young guys that haven't hit their second contract yet. And, you know, with the exception of quarterbacks, um, the middle class is going to be very non-existent, you know, in, you know, in the NFL in 2021 and, and probably in the 2022 as all, uh, you know, as well. Um, you know, so, you know, just for an example, if you're talking about a guy who might be in the league, you know, 
eight, nine years at this point, you know, veteran, you know, making, you know, 9 million per year uh, or 9 million in, in 2020, he could be looking at, you know, a 50 to 60% reduction um, of that money. Um, you know, he could be looking at 4 million next year, uh, which is a significant amount for a player, you know, who's in, um, you know, for, for, you know, maybe a decade um, or just under a decade. And a lot of teams might be just saying to, you know, to, to veterans, look, you know, we're going better minimum. We're going to go, you know, a million dollars a year. Um, and it's, it's kind of a take it or leave it situation. If you're not a, you know, a premier position player, um, if you're not a left tackle, if you're not a quarterback, um, you know, that's where their money's been going to. And beyond that, you know, it's going to really, really drop the, uh, the middle class in the NFL dramatically. You talk about the middle class, but what about if you're a top tier player? Can you still command that that money? And let's use Dak Prescott. Why not? It seems like every time this year during the offseason, we're talking Dak Prescott and another potential offer put on the table by that of the Dallas Cowboys. So the, the Cowboys offer last year to Prescott last June was averaging at 34.5 million per year and had a $50 million signing bonus. The guaranteed money offer was 110 million. I mean, can teams, and keep in mind, he's coming off of that injury, but as you lower the salary cap, can, can Jerry Jones and company still offer that sort of money to someone like that of a Dak Prescott? Yeah, and I, and I think this is where you're talking about, you know, star players and they can command that, right? star quarterback, Dallas Cowboys, obviously a very, very talented quarterback as well. Right. And he made, you know, 31 million on the franchise tag in 2020, obviously, you know, shortened season with, with the injury. Um, you know, I'm betting that a deal gets done um, before, you know, Jerry lets someone else, you know, come in and grab him. Um, and obviously we've seen what the quarterback, you know, market is looking like this off season. It could be very, very wild. A um, lot of opportunities there, but for him, you know, you, you do break the bank a little bit. Um, and that's where, what I was just talking about, you know, for him, a left tackle, you can break the bank and, you know, that's going to affect the rest of your roster though, right? When you're committing a certain percentage, you know, to one player or to a couple of players, um, you know, you just can't go down and, and have the depth on your roster that you would normally be used to, uh, especially when this, when the cap is dropping $20 million in just one off season. Um, but I, I, I'm betting that that Dak is going to get paid by the Cowboys next year or this coming year. And if they want to franchise tag him this upcoming year, it's going to cost them $37.7 million in that one year. So they're better off doing a long-term deal. Speaking of deals, let's talk about what everybody's been talking about the first, uh, this first week leading into the hype that is the two weeks prior to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 54. And that, of course, is the blockbuster deal that went back, went down this past weekend that saw Matthew Stafford, after 10-plus years out there in Detroit, being dealt to the Los Angeles Rams and the Rams giving up their quarterback that took them just a short two years ago to the Super Bowl, that being Jerry Goff. Take us inside some of the numbers because I was under the presumption that there's no way they could trade Jerry Goff because who was going to take on that contract? But they found a suitor. And that being, of course, the Detroit Lions and their GM, Mr. Holmes, who was the number two out there in Los Angeles. What sort of number is Detroit going to be dealing with? And, and how does that work out financially in terms of Jerry Goff and his contract now going to Detroit? 
Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a big one. Um, so, you know, Goff goes out there, you know, his base in 2021 will be $25 million. Um, so you're talking about a 20, I think $27 million cap hit. Um, you know, he's got a four year, $134 million contract, uh, $110 million of that guaranteed. Um, so the lines are eating up a tremendous amount of that, that chunk of change there. Um, you know, so they're really committing. They're saying, Hey, look, you know what? New GM, new head coach, new front office. We want our quarterback and we don't want to, you know, we don't believe that we're going to get that in the draft. Right. So we're okay. You know, paying a veteran, you know, that much money or taking over those veteran payments. Um, the one place I look at it, you know, it's even more interesting. I think if you're sometimes if you're coming from the Rams perspective too, because you know, the Rams are basically saying, all right, you know what? We're okay with not picking in the first round. And and like Les Snead, great GM, like he's always been known to kind of push against the, the structure a little bit. Um, you know, so the Rams, you know, because of this trade, um, they will not have picked in the first round in 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23, right? That's, you know, that's like a trend now for the Is that Rams. eight years? How long is that? One, two, three. How many years is that? Seven. Seven years you're talking about. Seven years. Yeah, that's seven crazy. years you're talking about. They haven't, they haven't made a first-round pick. The, the, the last first-round pick is Aaron Donald, which, you know, best defense player in the league. Um, but basically what they're saying is, is that, look, you know what? We're good with going out, trading our first-round picks for a proven veteran player, one that might be a little undervalued, and they're not redoing Stafford's contract. And you've seen the Rams do this before. You've seen the Rams do this with Jalen Ramsey, obviously. Um, you know, I, I would say probably the, you know, the, uh, the most notable one. Um, you know, clearly. Peters, I believe. What's that? Marcus Peters. Wasn't that a yeah. similar scenario? Marcus, exactly. Marcus Peters. Um, very similar oh, guy. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the, 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 the guy from Florida, University of Florida, uh, defensive end that, that went over to the Rams too. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, Rockers or no? Floyd? Uh, uh, not Rockers or Floyd. Um, it'll come to me in a little bit. But, uh, but certainly um, what, what it's shown is that the Rams are saying, look, you know what? We don't want to open ourselves up, you know, to these first round picks, you know, especially in a year where we don't really know what we're getting out of these college kids. We want to go with guys that are proven veterans, um, we know how they play. We know if they're going to fit in our building, in our locker room, and we're okay with sending, you know, picks out the door. Um, you know, so if you're the Lions, you know, you know, maybe this is just a situation where the Lions are saying, all right, look, you know what, we're okay with, with you know, eating up a, a large portion of salary. This is certainly different than the Lions, um, you know, in, in years past. Um, and it's a whole new front office. So maybe it's a little bit of a, a new, you know, new look, new perspective. Um, but what you're talking about, is essentially, you know, eating up a portion of your salary cap of your 180 million, you know, with one position, um, you know, obviously the most important on the field. Um, but really, um, you know, hopefully you're getting value out of those picks in the year to come, you know, those first rounders. Um, and we all know, you know, th there's going to be a lot of movement in this, in this quarterback um, free agency period. Um, so the Lions, you know, this shows the Lions really wanted Jared Goff. Um, it's not that they just wanted a new quarterback. They wanted him specifically and seems like they didn't care what it cost. Yeah. I, I think that Snead as well as I'm trying to look at the, the defensive end. It's not Quinn, is it? No. Um, no, no. 
It's going to come to me. It will be. Snead as well as McVeigh. Listen, if you're a Rams fan, I, you have no problem with that. They're all in. Whereas everybody else is investing for the future, mortgaging the future. Did the, the Rams mortgage the future? Because they believe that they're built for a Super Bowl. We saw this last year and it didn't work out. And they're pushing all their chips in the middle of the table. And they're saying, we're going for it right now. It, let me, this is a, a, you're the perfect guy to ask. Because we become so enamored when we hear first round pickings. You just laid out. They're not, they don't have a first round pick for the next seven years. Or they, they will not have yeah. drafted in the first round for seven years. How much is, of that is just people just fall in love with the moniker first round? And if you, I mean, listen, if you're somebody like McVeigh and Snead to a certain degree, where there's a, a level of confidence that you can get impact players and players that are just as good in the back end of that draft or even in the second or third round. How many times have we done podcasts, Matt? We talk about undrafted free agents that are impact players in the NFL. So how much of this is, Maybe that, that people just have a tendency to get over their skis when they hear about, oh, first round. He's a first round and we're giving up a first round. And, and the ability to find guys in the middle or the back end of the draft that are just as good and fit into your system just as well as any first rounder. Is, is that potentially what's going into play here? Yeah, it's a, a, a ton of that's going into, uh, into play. Um, you're talking about, you know, remember, the Rams were part of that that Robert Griffin, a third trade, right? So there was a bunch of, that was a crazy haul um, that they got, right? You know, Michael Brockert was in there, uh, Janoris Jenkins, um, who else was in there? Isaiah, uh, I think Stephen Bailey, he was in there, YRC, remember him? Greg yeah. Robinson, offensive lineman. Oh, and then the one we were thinking of was Dante Fowler. Um, that's oh, what that's right. you know, they, got, they picked up from the Jags. Um, but really what the Rams are saying um, even, you know, Tavon Austin, he's also in there in that, in that, in that RG3 trade. Um, so they were saying, look, you know what? We know how that looks. It didn't work. Like, you know, you know, we, we've tried that. Um, so we trust our scouts, like you just said, to go get guys, identify guys in the second round, third round, fourth round. Um, and look, I think you, if anyone watched the Rams play this year, they weren't far off, um, you know, from a very, very competitive team. Um and that was with golf and that was with golf injured. Right. So I think what you're looking at is, you know, less needs saying, well, we can win. And, you know, I feel like Stafford's an, you know, undervalued, under, you know, appreciated asset in Detroit. And he very well could be, um, you know, very talented arm, you know, very talented, um, you know, signal caller that the knock that's always been on him is that, you know, he's you know not quite the leader that Detroit wants, but I mean, look, you know, so many, you got a coaching carousel out there, different offensive coordinators almost every year, poor ownership, poorly run franchise. Like I've always talked about, you know, at, at work, you know, we have a group of NFL teams that are just teams you just don't want to work with, um, you know, because there's dysfunction within the organization, just like there's dysfunction within, you know, the corporate, you know, structure of the world. Um, there's, there's dysfunction with NFL teams as well too. And the Detroit Lions are part of that. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, putting him in a new, new franchise where there's some stability, um, you know, it gives him, you know, certainly a fresh start there. Uh, he's got some weapons, you know, coming right in, um, got a very good defense, very talented defense. Um, you, you know, you, you saw what happened with Ryan Tannehill when he left Miami after all that um, turnover year after year, and he got some stability in Tennessee with, you know, with a solid head coach and, and solid GM with Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. Um, you know, so, 
I think that's what, you know, the, the Rams are hoping for too, with, with Matt Stafford coming out to the West coast. Yeah. I think another good example is Alex Smith, yeah. who was the number one player taken out of Utah goes to the 49ers. And again, no stability coaching carousel, Nolan, they go through, I mean, they go through a litter of coaches, including Mike Singletary. And mm-hmm. it looks as though, you know, Alex Smith is a bust. He's on his way out. And then here comes Harbaugh says, no, you're my starting quarterback. And I think that, if I'm Alex Smith, I still owe Harbaugh, you know, a portion of, of my salary, my earnings, because he resurrected the guy's career, gave him some confidence, and then he gets an opportunity with Andy Reid and KC. And although, you know, eventually pushed out the door by, by one Patrick Mahomes, but he, at least he became an NFL quality quarterback. And that, that only happened when he had some, some level of stability, to your point, with the general manager and the arrival of a head coach who knew what he was doing. On the other hand, you got to feel for Jared Goff because, Goff, first of all, I mean, here's this blonde-haired, you know, just this, the kid looks like he should be wearing, you know, his cargo shorts and just sandals headed down to the Santa Monica Pier. And now he's headed off to Detroit, leaving California for the first time in his professional career, in his collegiate, in his football career, yeah, and going to a place like hand. Detroit. So you leave Sean McVay, the quarterback whisperer, Mm-hmm. And a genius and a guy that I think every quarterback would love the opportunity to work alongside one Sean McVay. And now you're going to Detroit, where, as you mentioned, things have been mishandled. And you got a coach like Dan Arnold. Is it Dan Arnold? Uh, Dan, Campbell. Dan, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Okay, yep. Dan Campbell. And I think Dan Arnold might have been married to uh, Roseanne Barr. Or <laughs> yeah. But – you're going to a guy who's talking about biting off kneecaps. And I mean, it was one of the worst press it conferences ever. Tough. And, and you, it, it, it's a perfect, to your point, again, a perfect illustration, an example of Jared Goff going into a situation much like that of what it was like in Los Angeles prior to the arrival of McVay when he was with Fisher, who was a defensive minded coach. And I mean, what, Jared Goff, his first year in the NFL, he looked like a bust until Sean McVay said, no, come in, we're going to do it my way relax, we'll make you flourish. We just got to put you in the right situation. And now it looks as though he's going in a wrong situation out there in Detroit, but who knows? Campbell may be more than just biting off dudes, kneecaps and get them up. What did he say? You stand up and then you hit the other knee. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was not encouraging if you're, if you're a Lions fan, but I think, you know, atmosphere has as much to do with, with the ability of a quarterback as anything else. If you get, if you get the right opportunity and the right system, the right system to flourish. Yeah. I mean, look, case in point, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, right. Carson Wentz, um, you know, very similar situations, Jared Goff, you know, Eagles committed a lot of money to him early on and you know, what's it going to look like now? Right. Um, you, you, you've got Jalen hurts there as well. Um, you know, clearly there, you know, was some, you know, a new head coach coming in, um, you know, clearly Carson Wentz was, was favored, favorable, um, you know, to, uh, uh, to Frank Wright, you know, before he left for the for the head coaching job with the Colts, um, you know, stability, the the comfort level, you know, that wasn't there. Um, and, and you've seen that with Carson Wentz's play as well. Um, you know, you've seen that with, you know, a little bit with Mitchell Trubisky as well in in Chicago. I mean, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks, um, and I guess look, the quarterbacks, you know, amplify it the most. Um, but the you know NFL franchises are responsible for it as well. Um, it's not just you know I, I talked to plenty of um, you know, other people with, with inside the NFL, whether it's, you know, beat reporters. And you know, I think that's probably the most common where they're like, man, we, you know, this team just can't develop players. Um, it's not who they're picking. They might be picking, you know, 
quality players um, and someone else then gets their hands on them, you know, and, and turns them into, you know, a quality NFL player. It's, it's the trash to treasure scenario um, that the Patriots have, have done, you know, so well uh, over the course of Bill Belichick's tenure there. Um, you know, so I think you, you do have a little bit of that uh, when you have that instability, you know, with certain franchises, you know, throughout the league. Dan, just how difficult this season was, as you mentioned, for coaches not having the opportunity to meet with some of these new players or with rookies, the OTAs, and then for new coaches to install a new system into players that they've never met and they're trying to do this via Zoom and virtually, it, it was nearly impossible. I mean, as we get ready for the Super Bowl, Tom Brady has said on numerous occasions that not having the opportunity to learn this system, not having the opportunity to ever play with these guys before, it took him about three quarters of the season, although they won and they did well, but he said he wasn't fully comfortable in terms of the offense and knowing what Bruce Arians expected, where his receivers were going to be. I mean, it was about halfway through the campaign before he really felt as he, he was on the same page with his whiteouts. And that's, he attributes that because, you know, nobody works harder than Tom Brady. And he usually throws with guys a month after the season yeah. and not having that opportunity this past year, challenging for Tom Brady, but you can think about it on so many different levels spread throughout the NFL. Before we leave, I just, you mentioned Doug Peterson. We talked about Nate Sudfeld. I got to give my rant because I haven't done this publicly and you can tell me what you think. So the New York Giants got screwed, obviously, right? Because Peterson decided to, to sit Jalen Hurts and look at Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. I've, and I've heard a lot of people. I've heard a lot of podcasts. I've heard a lot of sports talk radio. I'm a Dan Patrick guy. And everybody that I listen to just missed the boat. Because a lot of people said, hey, listen, if you're going to play Nate Sudfeld, just say it before the game. We understand that the season's lost. You're not going anywhere. Just, just tell, be upfront with the media that Sudfeld is going to play in this game in the second half or you're going to start the guy. My thinking is if I'm a New York Giant fan and I got screwed by Peterson, I'm hoping that guy, first of all, never coaches again in the NFL. And if he does, I hope that the Giants are the first time, first team he plays and, and you just absolutely <laughs> blister that dude 42 to nothing. And the guy trips and falls and hits his head leaving the game. Here's the thing is who needs to see Nate Sudfeld? If I'm a Giants fan, there is no reason, even if I'm a Philly fan, there is no reason for Nate Sudfeld to come out of that game. You're still analyzing Jalen Hurts. There isn't enough games in the season. Again, here's another young quarterback who didn't have the benefit of a, of a preseason who is still learning. The game is still slowing down for him. There's not enough snaps remaining in this very short season for Philadelphia. He had a half left to, to continue to analyze as to whether he's your starting quarterback going forward. And you bring in Nate Sudfeld. Why? Who cares? About, who wants to analyze Nate Sudfeld? He's yeah. got, you know, he's got the preseason next year if you want to get him into a game. There was no rhyme or reason to put Nate Sudfeld in that game other than to screw the New York Giants because it may, you're still analyzing and you're still putting Jalen Hurts under the microscope. And it was a close game. Hey, I want to see how you do down by a field goal going into the fourth. How do you do in this situation? How do you perform in this scenario? Can you be our quarterback of the future? And he brings in Nate Sudfeld. Doug Peterson, I don't know what you're going to do for a living from this point forward, but you will never ever live that down because it made no sense on any different level. Matt, your no, thoughts? No, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, as a as a New York Giants fan, it was tough to watch, uh, certainly. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you know what you're getting from Nate Sudfeld. You have enough tape out on them from preseason games from previous years. 
Um, you know, you, you got plenty of stuff out there. Um, you, you don't need to analyze them, you know, for, for a quarter, uh, the last week of the season, um, you know, in that regard, uh, especially when you probably know you're out the door, um, you know, shortly after that, um, you know, so that is nothing to do uh, with. Well, know, I don't know if he was out the door, plan. but that's certainly, that certainly aided the cause yeah, to, to get him drop kicked out the door because yeah. I, I think that that was a no brainer at that point. Yeah. And like, go back to your point, you know, if you look at the Buccaneers, right. If you look at the Buccaneers, right. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.